Lisa Petulny is the founder of Call Time on Melanoma, a social initiative for sun smart women. She launched the not-for-profit as a platform to share her friend and ambassador, Natalie Fornasia's story. Diagnosed with stage 3 melanoma at 20, Natalie is now dedicating her life to educating others on the realities of living with cancer. Call Time on Melanoma has fast become the place for young Aussies to go to for trusted facts, first-person stories, skin check info, and sunscreen recommendations. And today Lisa is with us to share all of the above and to inspire a new generation of sun-safe Aussies. I want to start off by reading something um, you guys recently posted on Instagram. So it's at call time on melanoma and it's a story from at, is it Trinity or Trine? I don't know. Trine, I thought Trine. it might be. Trine. Trine, yeah. Trine love. Um, okay. So you have a, I don't even know how to say this, lentiginous? Yeah. Maligma, melanoma on your inner labia are words I could not believe I just heard come out of my gynecologist's mouth. Melanoma is something we've all heard of. Never have I, never had I ever heard about melanoma being present in an area not exposed to the sun or that melanoma can develop without sun exposure. I was also ignorant to the fact that moles changing in shape and color aren't the way, aren't the only way melanoma can present itself. My melanoma was a thin black line on my right inner labia or labia. Am I saying that right? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it labia? I actually don't know. Tomato, tomato. tomato. <laughs> I'm quite intuitive and self-aware and thank goodness for that. I didn't want to mention it to my doctor, but I strongly believe in listening to our gut instincts and mine knew I should say something, even if it ended up fine. Peace of mind is so important. After being biopsied by a gynecologist and the result being abnormal, I was referred to an oncologist. After three surgeries over four months to remove the area, I am now melanoma-free. It took so many because each time there were cancer cells still present in the surrounding margins. Surgery and removal of tissue in such an intimate and sensitive area was horrible mentally and physically. Each time I lay awake in the operating theatre waiting to be anaesthetised were some of the most vulnerable experiences of my life. Those last six months of 2019 changed me in some ways for the better, but it also took parts of me I'll never get back. I feel so grateful to be on the other side of it now, but what's most important is that you, now reading this, understands more about melanoma than you did before. Ignorance is not bliss, not when it comes to this. If anyone reading this is motivated to get a skin check or mention to their doctor something on their body they're unsure about, it's 100% worth it. Don't let the fact it may be uncomfortable for you to bring up or show your GP a part of your body from saving your life. So these are kind of messages you guys are getting from what you're doing, hey? Yes. That one was um, like highly emotional, I think, for someone to share a story like that, um, yeah, there have been a few. I feel like every time we get one, it, like, bowls me over a bit, but that one is pretty impactful. Yeah, it's so scary. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's also a great jumping-off point for us to understand how important what you guys are doing. Um, but I do know personally and, like, from our friendship group, 
and just from like girls our age that enough of us aren't taking skin protection, melanoma, skin cancer, sunscreen, whatever, like seriously enough, Mm -hmm. which kind of makes sense. I mean, it does make sense, but it begs the question like what's it going to take for us to really take this seriously? Yeah. And I think seeing something like that and reading that is confusing as well because obviously there's not enough education out there because she's asking the same questions that I would be asking, like, it's not exposed to the sun. Mm -hmm. Like, what, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess it's also about education, hey? Yeah. I think, um, well, I guess half the reason why Core Time even started, obviously you would know the backstory with um, my friend Natalie being diagnosed um, for the second time. So that was, you know, like the jumping off point. But when I started doing research, like everything you're saying is what I was finding. First of all, having been a beauty editor for like 13 years, when I discovered that melanoma is the number one cancer in young people in this country, I was like, huh? Like, how did I not know that of all people? Mm. We've all written like 101 sunscreen stories. So, um, yeah, I was looking at like why why are Mm. we so resistant to this? The younger demographic, to your point, is like highly resistant and not um, really that receptive to the message. So I think that's what is all behind call time is sort of packaging the information in a way that's palatable for this, for us, you know, and like things the way that I would want the information given to me. So less about like scaremongering and telling people that they're going to die because personally I feel like that has minimal effect on me or it sure did when I was 16 because I felt like nothing was ever going to happen to me. Mm. So hearing about skin cancer and stuff, first of all, skin cancer, I think in this country we all think, I mean, who cares? You burn it off and like move on with your day, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know, I thought melanoma was something that just happens to old people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think just me remembering all the things that I used to think helps yeah. package, helps me know like what to say and how to say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still learning to like, you know, hearing, I, I obviously knew that you can have melanoma that's not caused by the sun. It's a rarer, like a smaller percentage of melanomas. But I've never spoken to someone who'd been diagnosed with, um, you know, a spot found on their vulva. Mm. Like, yeah, it's there's a lot. Can you share a little bit more about Natalie's story and sort of the backstory of how it all kicked off? Yeah, sure. Um, so Natalie and I sort of worked together. She was an intern, um, when I worked at Allure Media, um, like a bright, sunshiny, beautiful girl. And we sat next to each other. So we sort of, um, made friends that way. And I knew vaguely, like I knew that she had had cancer before, but I don't think it's so hard for me to remember now, but I just don't think I knew that much detail Mm. about it then um but I knew like she lives with lymphedema so I knew that she um yeah had a story and basically 
we had this crossover where I went on maternity leave and she went to Venice on exchange with uni for six or seven months. And when she was coming back from that, I was coming back from maternity leave. So we saw each other again at this Who What Where event. Um, and I sort of like walked in, awkwardly walked into this conversation that I was not a part of. <laughs> you know, like those moments where you're like, oh God, I need to just like slowly back out of here. <laughs> um, because everyone looked really like serious and somber, but I didn't realize that until I like stuck my stupid face into their conversation and Natalie just looked at me and was like I'll tell you but um just like let me finish here Mm -hmm. and I was like okay and then I was sort of like what's going on um and then yeah she came over to me and said um the melanoma's back and it's in my lungs so that makes it stage four And I think I just, we were in like this busy room of people talking about like stupid things, you know, just like catching up and eating snacks and drinking Mm. wine. She's telling me that she's got um, cancer in her lungs. So I was like really rooted to the spot then and just trying to listen and not like start crying and be that person who's bringing the attention to it. Yeah, because she's so strong. Like that's one thing that I think everyone who knows her would say she like holds the space for other people to fall down around her which is crazy and brave um but yeah so she was told me that she'd been diagnosed again and I think I just couldn't like get over it is basically the short version of the story I just went home I'm sure I was like highly hormonal as well but um you know I was telling my husband about it and I couldn't stop thinking about it and had to was diving into research and just trying to find out things I don't even know I just decided that I felt like I couldn't not do something so the next day I talked to my um my boss basically (laughs) we had a chat about this and I said I think we can do something about it on the who what where sites the birdie site mainly because that was a beauty and health um site and she was like yeah let's do it so um it all grew out of that editorial initiative basically but then you probably know the story like right before we're about to launch it we all got made redundant (laughs) Um, yep always the way so um I think at that point we had like four days left so we got made redundant on Tuesday and our last day was Friday so we had that time to push it out um well Lisa gave you the time to finish Yeah, and everyone that was on that team just stopped everything else that we're doing to work on this because we all worked on it together and felt like it was important and had to go be out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that included an interview that I did with Natalie that was three hours the first time and then the, um, the file corrupted. So it was another three hours. So I was like, if I don't do anything else, I have to publish this piece because I took six hours of her life 
And, you know, it was like a highly emotional interview, we were like holding hands and crying for half the time. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get her story out there mainly. And that had crazy traction. Mm-hmm. Like you probably can imagine we just wanted to get it out there and just put the work out there and that alone was the achievement and then when it started getting picked up and people were talking about it and I mean we could see obviously with the analytics how much um action it was getting Mm. that was amazing yeah but also like surprising because you would know like working in women's lifestyle there's always important issues that you talk about whether that's like I don't know International Women's Day like when we were there was the um vote yes on same-sex marriage all of that's always important issues and obviously this is another important issue but that the that content was the highest performing content that was ever on that side in five years wow that gives me goosebumps yeah so um and it continues so even though the Australian version of Birdie doesn't exist it's still housed on the US site and I still people still email email me about it oh my god that gives me goosebumps so um yeah that's how it started and then once I saw the impact that it had, I just thought, well, I can't like end here, mm, has yeah. to keep going. Um, and I think, yeah, basically what I realised is that there was, I knew that there was the hole in the market, I guess you could say, but then I really realised what was there because people were coming to me saying I have melanoma and I've been like really ashamed to tell people my story and this feels like a safe space for me. That's crazy. It is because I didn't ever preempt that. Mm-hmm. But then I guess I've realised now that people feel a stigma about it because there's a perception that if you have melanoma, it's because you did it to yourself. Yes. It's like lung cancer in that way, I guess, um, through your lifestyle choices, which is obviously not the case. What are some crazy um, facts or stats that you've discovered from this whole situation whether that be about skin cancer or melanoma in particular um there's actually so so many whenever anyone asks me this I'm like what do I choose Mm. um okay well I'll just tell you the two out of three Australians will be diagnosed with skin cancer by the time they're 70 which is like most of us um and then as for melanoma um, someone dies from melanoma every five hours in this country and someone's diagnosed every half an hour. That's crazy. Fucking hell. But also I didn't know that and it's and it's become it's become such a conversation piece and yet I didn't know those crazy rapid stats. Yeah, there's um, the Melanoma Institute have lots of these statistics. Um, so they just did... So either at the start of this year or at the end of last year, but they just updated. So that one about someone being diagnosed every half an hour is um, like recent research. But, yeah, they're always um, doing study and stuff. So more and more come out and they change all the time. But, yeah, it's fascinating. I think now that I've been doing this for over a year, what I've learned personally, and obviously I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, 
or a melanoma expert. Um, so, you know, in that sense of the word. Um, yeah, I think just one oncologist that I spoke to said that when she started specialising in melanoma, like no one wanted to take it on because you were looking at a specialty where your entire waiting room would just die. So like unlike breast cancer and, you know, there are other cancers where your prognosis is, you know, lots of people survive it, mm. but the um, the prognosis for melanoma at stage four used to be like 5% would reach five years. So not very good, but um, there's so much going on in that space now. Like immunotherapy as a treatment has only been around for like five years or something mm. like that, which is really not long in the grand scheme of things, but that's like changed all of that stuff so much. Like there's so much more, there's an actual treatment now that making can work for you, you know? Yeah. Why, why is it, why is the death rate so high? Is it because they just can't find a cure? Is it or a cause even? Is it because it's so aggressive? I think it's like this is a complex question, but I think it's because before immunotherapy existed, the main treatment was like cut it out. Oh, right. And so if it had metastasized or say it was in a part of your body that couldn't be removed, like there wasn't that much more that could be done. Um, obviously we're talking about this in like very general terms, mm. but immunotherapy, like chemo doesn't work on melanoma. Right. So before immunotherapy, like there really was no other options. Um, obviously there's always been clinical trials and stuff like that. But um, the other thing with melanoma is if it's found in situ, so like before it moves in your body, the you're pretty much, you're going to be fine pretty much, you know, like it's very high success rates. I don't want to, well, I'll say I'm pretty sure it's like 95% success rate if they take it out and it's in situ. But once it moves, it becomes obviously a lot more complicated for them to treat it because it can just spread around other parts of your body and melanoma as a cancer really likes to go to your brain. Right. So that's, you know, obviously not Operable. easy to treat. When you say it moves, mm. like do you mean how it like penetrates further than just the surface of your skin? Yep. So I don't know if you remember seeing that ad, but there used to be this government ad. It's like really creepy and like kind of frightening where there's like a little black cell that like goes down into your bloodstream and, and it like, had the little yeah it mm, had like crawly arms yeah. yeah so it's sort of just like um once it goes into your bloodstream or your lymph and it sort of has you know it like has access to the transport system around your body it can just go anywhere it's like natalie's melanoma started in a mole on her toe and they amputated, amputated her toe and they took her lymph nodes out of her groin on, I think, on the right side. But once it goes into your lymph, like the next place that it showed up was in her lungs and then the next place that it showed up was in her bowel and her gut. Oh, 
so it can just pop up in different areas and then so it stays in those places as well it's not moving out of those places yeah probably Mm, not I don't even know like yeah again obviously not a doctor yeah um but I think yeah once it's in your bloodstream or in your lymph system it can just kind of end up because there's so many lymph like you have quite Mm, a lot of lymph glands in your body like more than I thought Mm. there's a um I saw an image of it basically you know where they show you like what's inside your body they're showing all where all the lymph glands are and there's a lot um so once it's in that system it can sort of end up anywhere so skin checks are Mm. the thing yes that's why I'm so um like passionate about skin checks I guess because um you probably know like in this country we don't have standardized skin checks we don't have a system like you know there are systems or recommendations that they make for getting mammograms once you're over a certain age or like bowel cancer tests and all of that sort Mm -hmm. of thing even like cervical cancer um I don't know what it's called now like formerly a pap smear whatever it's called now um, there's not that for melanoma or for skin checks. So um, I've talked to a few people about this and actually people have a lot of like varying opinions and I've spoken to doctors who like don't think that they're a worthwhile thing to do unless you have a family history what? because they work with, well, this doctor that I spoke to works with people who are at like stage three or stage four And so I guess her perspective is about not using resources for people who have a family history who are, like, more likely to um, get melanoma. But um, my thing is, like, we've learned in one year of having this Instagram page, there have been at least 10, I think actually 11 women who've gone to have a skin check who would not have gone otherwise. None of them, to my knowledge, had a family history and they all were found to have a melanoma. And these are like young women, mostly under the age of 30. That's crazy. So those would have just like sat there probably. And like we were saying before, you know, if you get it early, like chances Mm. are you're going to be fine. But once it progresses, then things get more complicated. Um, What do they, what what are we looking for? Does it fit like it differentiates between certain people or is it like if a spot changes colour or shape, you need to sort it out so for the most part like you know we started this conversation talking about Trine who um had a a type of melanoma that's not the most common Mm. so um you know there you can get melanoma without physical markers so that is rare um but that can happen so you can get melanoma without seeing a mole Mm. Um, they may not be able to find like where it started, if that makes sense. But for the most part, um, yes, it's a mole or a spot on your skin that you'll see that changes appearance. So there's this um, guide, the ABCDE guidelines, and basically you can Google those, but that's about has it changed colour, has it changed shape, Um is it bigger than a certain 
size. There are all these different things and that when you go and have a skin check that those are basically the guidelines that they're looking, they're using when they're looking at your skin. Um, Yeah. So skin checks, I think super important, obviously also important if you have lots of moles, I would really recommend being aware of them yourself because Mm -hmm. most of us would know you know, that looks slightly yeah. different. Or take a photo of it and compare. Take a yeah. photo. That's also why, yeah, I mean, look, I just think everyone should get a skin check at least once a year, whether that's with your GP, a dermatologist, whatever, that's a personal choice and you should make it um, taking into account your personal history. If I had melanoma in my family, like I'd be seeing a dermatologist and I'd be getting mole mapping like without a shadow of a doubt. I yeah. don't have any history and I still get mole mapping. Mm. And mole mapping is um, full body photography. So they mm. check your skin with a scope, like a visual check, I guess, and then they take full body photography and they take um, close-up photos of any moles. Mm-hmm. And the point of that is that the next time you go, they take again another suite of photos and they can compare directly this mole looks like it's changed slightly. So it sort of just gives you extra insurance. Mm -hmm. The difference would be if you're going to a dermatologist or any other doctor, they're still using those guidelines to say, you know, oh, this still looks fine. But with that photo, they can see, no, it actually has changed. Mm, Obviously, you can't expect a doctor to remember without photography what your specific moles look like. And actually, someone told me once that they, the most moles they've ever seen in one session was like over 80. Wow. So that's like a long session of Mm. photographing. You know, like if you had that many moles, you can imagine it would be difficult to keep on top of all of them, even yourself. Definitely. Where do you do that at? Um, So there are a bunch of places you can go. There are companies like Mole Map, um, and I always mention them because they're affiliated with the Melanoma Institute and I've met people from there and, like, yeah, I think they're a good company. Mm -hmm. But um, they do... That like that's the service that they provide is um, the body photography and mole mapping. Um, but you can also find other doctors that do it. Like I go to a doctor called Dr. John Donellan in Bondi Junction and that's just a skin cancer clinic. He's not a dermatologist but he's a skin cancer doctor um, who is like really well regarded and they do that service there mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to necessarily be like a mole map or there's a bunch of them they're all called different versions of mm. mole map basically yeah. are they super expensive it depends right you do pay more for the photography I personally think it's worth it yeah where I go I think for the full appointment so like the full the visual check the consult with the doctor and the full body photography I think I pay like 180 that's so doable. So I know like for some people, for me, very doable. For some people, I get it. Like it's not going to be doable. Um, I think any skin check is better than no skin check. Yeah. Mm. Um, and there will be GPs that are like really great at it and GPs that are not so great at it. So I think it's just about finding, you know, More the works. right ask your mates. Do the skin cancer clinics bulk bill? 
Um, I some of them do, but it's like not that easy to find out about. Mm. Um, there's no, I guess, just because it's not standardized. Like yeah, they're right. rich, there is no mm. nothing across the board. Like mm. you can't really find. Do you get a rebate if you have private health insurance? I do. Okay, I get some money back, like okay. a little bit back. Um, I'm with NIB if that helps anyone. <laughs> Um, but like my local like G- family GP that I've been going to forever, like they still go field, so I'm sure. Yeah. Even though that might not be the best person to go to, but you could start there. Yeah. Start Look, there. I've definitely heard from people because we sort of source community recommendations, and those are all housed on the Instagram page on in our highlights section. Um, like for this very reason, because people ask me all the time, like, where do I go? Where's someone somewhere great in Hobart? And I'm like, well, I can't tell you because yeah. I've never, I don't live in Hobart. Yeah. But um, people have definitely told me that they go to skin cancer clinics that bulk bill. So oh, I think great. it's just a matter of finding, finding them. Yeah. Like, awesome. yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I'm actually going to book one after this. You just never know. Also, Mm. you can't see your back and like whether or not you have a partner or not and you ask them to check. It's hard even after a week or six months to get them to check you visually. Like the photography side of things would be great as well if you could just get someone to take a photo of your back. I learned something interesting this week actually because one of my friends went and um, she has really bad rosacea and sensitive skin and she gets like flaky bits on her face Mm -hmm. and she went to this skin cancer clinic to this doctor in Glebe and she burnt them all off because she told them that they could form into um, skin cancer. And Jordan, my partner, gets them all over his back, like these little, they're just little dry dry, scabby bits and I always pick them off. And I've asked, I've been to the GP here who does skin checks like twice with Jordan because Jordan has moles everywhere and it's quite freckly. I'm like, what are these? He's like, they're nothing. Like, don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's like psoriasis. It's nothing. nothing." I'm like, that's not psoriasis. So now I'm like, Mm. oh, she got her skin all burnt off. Like, I've never heard of that. Like I haven't heard of that before, yeah, but weird. I would say like take Jordan to a dermatologist yeah, yeah. because this is the thing that I always think about. The last time I had a skin check, there was one spot that I had to have a look at. It was on the back of my calf and it was like a pinprick. Like mm. I did not know it was there. Exactly. Never noticed it. And those are the ones you'll see when you go and they show you under the scope. Like there, you can have a mole that looks really big and looks like something you might think is worrying and they'll be like, no, that's fine. Mm. And then they look at something that's tiny and under the scope it looks insane, mm. like doesn't look round like it does to your eye. Mm. So, yeah, I just think I'm conservative about this stuff. I would rather someone who knows what they're doing look at it. Obviously, if I noticed, you know, I've got a couple of weird like skin molly things that I are like bigger than the rest of them if any of those changed I would 100% go in like straight away but I think yes go have an expert tell you that it's all okay like tell you what to keep an eye on if anything Mm. um I don't know I've just heard too many stories at this point of people who are like you know, um, I had a friend who told me for like over a year that she worked with someone who she kept telling to go and have a mole looked at and when she finally went, it was a melanoma and it's like you don't want to waste that year, man. Yeah. Or just be like it looks funny but I'm sure it'll be fine and then you forget to look at it again. Mm. 
you just got to do all those things. Like you, can't, you can't put a price on your health either. Like I that. do get it. It's like just another thing to do yeah. and another appointment to make. I um, make my appointment every year on my birthday because that's like the way that I remember to do all the appointments. Great idea. Mm. Mate, it's not as bad as a pap smear, so. Yeah. Well, when people are like, is it really invasive? I'm really scared. I don't want to like take my clothes off. I'm like, listen, it's less invasive than a bikini wax. Yeah. 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 So. Do it. Let's talk sunscreen Mm -hmm. because I know a lot of people still don't wear it every day and they make up excuses as to why. What are some of the excuses you hear or are the most common? Mm, Where do I start? (laughs) Um, What are the most common? I guess um, I don't like the feel of sunscreen. Sunscreen makes me break out. I'm scared of chemicals. Um, An influencer told me sunscreen gives you cancer. Um, I am worried about my vitamin D levels. What else? Um, that's probably, I mean, yeah, there are every now and then I'll get one where I'm like, Oh, I haven't heard that before. (laughs) Um, but those are probably, yeah, I think maybe the main one is just, I don't like it. Like it's too thick. It's oily. makes my face. I don't like the feel of it. It feels too heavy. It's all like aesthetic yeah. issues yes. for the most part. And then, you know, the, there is a lot of like chemophobia, like people are afraid of chemicals and think that, um, you know, sunscreen is going to give them cancer and like ruin the reef. There's like new yeah. ones all the time. Right. Yeah, I'm. I think we just have an issue at the moment with, um, the way that a lot of the studies and stuff done around sunscreen are reported. Um, it's great that we do studies on um, filters and all that sort of thing and we should know, we should want to know as much as possible. I think it's just that it's become a really um, like clickbaity thing. So People see the study come out, they take one tiny thing out of it that's, you know, really clickbaity and then they build an article around that because, you know, I've worked in digital media and we all know that people are going to click more on a story that's about, um, you know, something, some everyday product that we all use Mm. is like bad for you rather than, you know, an unbiased and balanced reporting of what the study actually says. Mm. In that vein, Mm. we've got some listener questions. So these people contacted us via Instagram. I love it. Uh, And I think this is these are ones that come up all the time and my friends even ask me. As a PD editor. Yeah, or just I'm always like I can tell you're not wearing sunscreen. (laughs) <laughs> just no, like I see you. I'm like, why? Like, all like I don't know. When we, when we were young and like you get ready together, or we're going out for lunch or something, and, and you I'm like, critique their I'm like, you're putting makeup on without sunscreen. Like, and I did it too. Like, I honestly only really I think started, we all did. Yeah. yeah, and I only honestly really started paying more attention to sunscreen probably last year. Yeah, which is so well. Bad. Welcome to yeah. you know the bright side. Really <laughs> bad. Like I'd put on my face. But like not every day, yeah. especially if I was like, um, it's winter and I'm going from the car to the train to the train to the office and not leaving the office all day. Yeah. Wouldn't bother about it. 
But we learned that it's even that accidental exposure. Well, that yeah, incidental exposure incidental. is the is the is isn't that the worst one for aging? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's just that um, yeah, the sun damage just adds up. Yeah. So I guess you know, for me, I don't even think about it anymore because it's been years that I've just been using sunscreen every mm-hmm. morning. And I think when people say to me, you know but I hate the feel of sunscreen. I'm like, what are you using? Like there are so many good ones. Let me tell you like 30 amazing sunscreens you could just buy today. Exactly. But um, yeah, I mean, we've all done that stuff. I certainly was a total moron about sun safety when I was a teenager. Mm. We had like tanning competitions. Mm. I took baby oil to school, like – you're so reformed. Babies, I'm so reformed. At we yeah. I used to lay on my balcony and get the cooking spray out. <sighs> yeah, we've Isn't that disgusting? the olive oil spray. Yeah. yeah. What's I know, wrong it's gross. With you? I don't know, but you know, we I don't know. I wanna say like we didn't know any better. I know slip slop slap was a thing, but it wasn't ever this is the thing, right? It like was never shown to me that it was it was never presented in a way of like no. this is something you want to do because of this. It was like do this, don't if you don't do this, you'll die. And I was like, I'm 16, I'm never gonna die. So yeah. I'm so not sorry. listening. But I think also it's it's a general like not a generational thing, but like my parents didn't wear sunscreen and I'll come back from holidays still and they'll be like, Oh, you're so brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like, definitely a thing. You know, they just were sun bunnies, it's just what they were like. I don't know, I think it's like that whole puberty blues thing, like particularly living yeah. where we live. It's Australian culture. Culture, yeah. yeah. Yes. And I'm even like, like my dad kiper boards and surfs all the time. I'm like, you have been out like for four hours. He'll come back, he'll be purple. And dad. I know, it's really bad. And he's like, him and my mum have had stuff cut out, out of him all over. Yeah. Of course, because, but that's the thing. Like we just assume that it's, everything's going to be fine and I'm not going to die from this and I'll just get it cut out and move on. And Don't whatever. you just think this is, yeah, this is a big part of the issue. I think because I grew up in a family exactly the same. My dad um, is a, you know, a landscaper. He works outside. He's always been super brown mm. and like never had, doesn't burn. And my mm. skin's like that too. You wouldn't know to look at me now because I'm so pale from being out of the sun for <laughs> so many years. But <laughs> Um, my mum's from Port Macquarie, like I grew up on the beach, her, like my memories of her beach pillow smelled like reef coconut oil. Like it was all of that. (laughs) And then, you know, you just grow up with your parents like, I've got to get this burnt off my nose. And you're like, okay, it's skin cancer is like the one cancer that people aren't afraid of, I think, because it's so normalized and like you know to be clear you can actually die from non-melanoma skin cancers it's like obviously not as common Mm. but um I think when they bought out that Wes Carr um advert that was the first time I really started paying attention to it and that had like his first person mates and like Mm. images of him at the beach and I don't know if that was melanoma or skin cancer but either way it was just just like fuck like I don't know. His friend is Jimmy Nichols who started Beard Season. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the backstory of that. Um, Devastating. But I I agree with you. I think that and also there was a young girl, I can't remember what her name is now, but 
she was so young. She was like 24 or 26 or something like that and she had melanoma from solarium use. That's right. They had her on the news. Mm. And, and she, she was in away. hospital, I think, in the video with yeah. like a tube in her nose speaking about that was that was when they made solariums illegal for commercial use. Mm. And there are still people sneaking around and getting it done. Yes. Yes. They're well, they're not illegal for personal use, mm. but there's yeah. like a black market. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have a friend um, who her friend uses one and um, she keeps trying to find out where from her, going. like casually ask her where it is because we both want to call the police yes. and like have it shut, shut down. It but down. her friend like obviously knows what's going on yeah. and is not going to tell her. Dead. you got to act Terrible. desperate for the solarium like you really want it. It's so like, confusing to me. So yeah. good as as well. And there's a lot of like less chemically ones. Yeah, right? like you don't have an excuse. I get it. I don't know. I still get it. But I think if you're not scared of dying from skin cancer or getting a melanoma, and that doesn't worry you, and you still have the mentality that it's not going to happen to me, think about the cosmetic effects and the aging effects. Mm. Like your skin looks so bad. Yes from tanning mm. and you're going to look 10 times older, 20 times older. Like I have friends that they look old. they tan, 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 sun bunnies. And I'm like, you look 10 years older than me. I think Even we can crazy. say, yeah, I think we can say that if you're using a solarium, it's like a vanity exercise, which that's fine. Like mm. I'm also vain just mm-hmm. in different ways. <laughs> but my message to anyone who's using solariums is start saving for your facelift now because you're going to need it. Yeah. And your laser um, skin resurfacing mm. treatments because it just the pigment saving. is just the wrinkles. It's like the worst the possible thing. You look like a leather handbag. It's terrible. Yeah. And all in your decolletage yeah. area where it kind of collapses. Don't you want itself? like smooth, supple, even skin? Not like this because I'm covered in pressures. The other thing that's scary <laughs> is like obviously a lot of this happened like 10 years ago, right? Or whatever they mm. say. But I remember like last year even I didn't have like any freckles on my arm and this year I have so many freckles on my arm. I think that's another thing that I was like, fuck, I really need to wrap this up and yeah. just pay more attention. I think that's also the thing about being young, you like don't necessarily see the damage immediately. Mm. Well, first of all, you can't see the DNA damage mm. like to the eye obviously, but um, I'm over 30 now and I feel like you get to 30 and you're like, oh, I see. Uh, yep, now I'm seeing that sun yeah. damage coming up, especially like when I had my child, the melasma and mm. stuff that comes up. I was like, I want no part of this. Get off my face. <gasps> Your skin's amazing. But, yes. Oh, thank you. It's really so beautiful. nice. It's taken a while. Like I still, if I go in the sun with no sunscreen on, I have an immediate pigmentation moustache. Really? It like comes up so fast and it takes weeks wow. to get rid of it. That's and that's crazy. what Ash was saying as well. You've got to be careful when you apply your sunscreen because that's the first place you kind of sweat. So you do need to reapply in that area as well. Mm. Anyway, Hi. okay, let's do the sunscreen. <laughs> let's do some questions. We should oh. do a book of beauty editor sunscreen tip. We should. You too should. Reapply to your moustache <laughs> constantly. <laughs> yeah. Literally like every 20 minutes, especially if you have a sweaty top Pat lip. your moustache. Well, I can Pat just them. tell you from having had a pigmentation moustache, it is not what you want. <laughs> no. You don't want any shadow there shading. Shadow. You do not. <laughs> Uh, what's the difference between a chemical sunscreen and a physical sunscreen? 
So probably not as much um, as you would think, but basically that's how they divide the two categories of sunscreen filters. So physical sunscreens are more correctly known as inorganic. This part is like real confusing because chemical sunscreens are more correctly known as organic sunscreens, but obviously organic sunscreen as a marketing thing is like, natural sunscreen you know like no one really calls them these Mm. but basically they both work really similarly and that is by absorbing uv rays and turning it into heat um there's this myth that physical sunscreens reflect Mm. sunlight instead but they only do that by about five percent so they're a lot more alike than most people think Mm. they are okay um but basically Physical sunscreens are often better for sensitive skins. So people who have like really bad reactions to chemical filters are often best served with a physical. They're just like more gentle. So that's like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. And if you were concerned about the reef, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not a lot scientifically backing this and there's this is obviously like we're like smiling at each other (laughs) because Kelsey knows I'm about to like go off (laughs) (laughs) but many people are like you've got to go for the zinc Mm. version okay well I'll basically just uh summarize this by saying that um yes there's this whole thing going on at the moment about like reef safe sunscreens and all of that um the Hawaii, we know, banned two sunscreen filters, which are chemical filters, because um, there have been studies that have suggested that they could, like, damage the reef. But um, what no one really talks about is there have also been similar studies that implicate zinc oxide. So this whole thing just has spun out of control for me and, like, really bothers me because it's become just a marketing exercise now because – most of the sunscreens that are out there that are going on about we're reef safe la 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 like good for the ocean are zinc oxide yeah so to me you can't just disregard you can't like accept this science which you know the community the scientific the science community hasn't accepted this as fact that these two sunscreen filters do have any you know, significant part to play in coral bleaching. So you can't like accept some of the science and not the rest of it. You have to like pick a side. You can't just pick and choose and do what suits you because your product contains zinc oxide. It's really like, I'm even confused about it. It's confusing. And I think, great, like let's continue doing more research, but you know, it annoys me that we're saying this as it's, a matter of fact because yeah. it's not like mm-hmm. it's not a couple of stories <laughs> <laughs> it's just not like they do I agree great do more research into it and people care yeah like, people yeah. care I'm glad and you know I'm I feel like I'm a conservative person so is there a reason to use those two filters over other filters if there's even the smallest chance that they contribute no there's like a million other filters you yeah. absolutely don't have to use those but I don't like the marketing message that chemical sunscreens are bad for the reef mm-hmm. because that's bullshit. Right. And, yeah, I just think 
we also need to take a step back and think about what other factors are at play here because, you know, whatever. I know people like deny climate change, but the thing that causes coral bleaching is climate change. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for a government to be like, look, we're like taking action on this issue and we're trying to save the reefs rather than do something of actual value that's mm. going to, you know, have an impact on exactly. climate change. So I just think people need to take a step back out of it sometimes and look at what other people are saying because yeah. there are people who work with you know the ocean and marine biologists and whatever that don't agree that this yeah. is a smart thing to do it's just like shifting the focus exactly shifting the blame as yeah. well yeah but you know whatever if you want to use a reef say sunscreen go for gold just because it says it on the packet. Yeah, just like do a bit of critical thinking about what yeah. it actually means. It's just another like marketing yeah. marketing thing. Um, next re- listener question. Yep. Why does sunscreen make my face itchy? Huh, um, I don't hear this that often, to be honest, but It probably is because you have sensitive or like reactive skin and those are the people that like I'd say look at a physical sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Um, You can get some good ones that are not white. Like, you know, this is another controversial thing, but generally (laughs) the ones that are nanonized are the ones that are clear and don't make you look like a ghost. Um... So those are the ones, like all of the ones that I like that are physical sunscreen are nanonized. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's personal preference. I know some people think that like nanonized zinc is like invading your body somehow, even though that's not what the science says. But if you have, if it makes your face itchy, I'd look at physical sunscreens um, because it's probably having a reaction to like either the chemical filter or it might be a preservative or a fragrance issue. Mm -hmm. Like I'd assume that um, if sunscreen makes your face itchy, you might also have issues with heavily fragranced products or even like actives. So have a look at those. But there are also gentle, like you can also look at baby formulas or toddler formulas Mm -hmm. Um, there's one by this brand, We Are Feel Good, which is a sensitive formula and that's not physical, it's chemical and it's a really good sunscreen. I use it on my toddler, face and body, like love it, not sponsored, (laughs) (laughs) but that could be good and Mm -hmm. chemical sunscreens just tend to be more cosmetically elegant, we say, like nicer to wear. Um, so if you hate physical sunscreens, like maybe look at those or La Roche-Posay have a toddler yeah. formula, which is quite good as well. Even oh. their, the, their fluid. Yeah. The one that we're banging on about. I and have really yeah, yeah. sensitive skin and I find that like so fine. Well, that's a good recommendation. Yeah. Big fan yeah. of that. <clears throat> The next one is why do some sunscreens sting my eye? sort of like a similar thing Um, it's a similar thing yeah probably to do with it's so hard to pin it down or you're applying like an idiot like don't get it in there don't put your regular skincare in your eyes 
Like, because yeah. I've done it. Like, sometimes I'll be fine, and sometimes I'm like, Ugh, and then I'm like, why did I do that? Yeah. But most now things my say to avoid your eye area. So maybe just avoid we'll just your like eye Just, like, gently pat area. around it. Don't, like... And then wash your hands. There are some, like, I have this one from Dermalogica. It's called Age Smart something, Dynamic Skin Recovery or something like that. And I love it, obsessed with it, like, biggest fan. If I put that too close to my eyes, like, I'll have really stingy eyes mm. for at least like an hour afterwards but if I don't apply it beyond like I don't even know I like bring it some of the way up and then I leave like a <laughs> half a centimeter at least because any skincare that you put around your eyes it like migrates towards mm. your eye so you don't have to stick it like right mm. under your lash line it's definitely going to go in your eye if you do that yeah. But if you have super, super sensitive eyes, like same advice, I'd look at a gentle formula or a physical um, a physical formula. Um, what else can I say about that? Yeah, I guess the other thing to say, which sort of relates to the question before, is in Australia, you're not legally required to um, list a full ingredients panel. You only have to list the sunscreen filters and the preservative. So if you have sensitive skin and there are things that you know that you're sensitive to, it might be in that product without you knowing. So have a look, like I'll just use them as an example because I know they do a full ingredients panel, but we are feel good that I was talking about before. They list the full ingredients panel. So if you know I this ingredient like really pisses off my face, try and look for a brand that lists the whole ingredients list or you could email yeah. the brand and say I have highly reactive skin and there are like certain things that my my skin hates. Can you tell me yeah. what is in this or does this have this ingredient in it? I'm sure they would help you. Yeah, that's a good that's idea. Hmm. What is the best moisturiser or sunscreen for every day? We were saying before um, – uh about the ones that people don't want to use because you know they don't sit nicely under makeup etc are there yeah. any that well the real answer to this question is there is no best one because everyone likes different things right. so makes it kind of hard to say just like one mm. one or two products I always recommend um like SPF 50 at minimum sorry SPF 50 is like my preference but SPF 30 plus I would say at a minimum um I just always say the more the better because yeah. you just want I mean if, if you're, you're gonna, gonna bother do, yeah. just yeah. go, go the whole way exactly um SPF 15 can get in the bin like mm. don't even bother yeah I don't even know why anyone would use it you use people like on the whole under apply so by the time you're under applying an SPF 15 you've mm. maybe got like SPF 6 mm. so you probably get more protection from just wearing a hat. Mm. Um, yeah, so there are heaps that I like. Like the Mecca Cosmetica one is great. That's super good under foundation. It's tinted pink, which is sort of a bit brightening, which is nice. Um, ultraviolet, I love everything that they do. The Queen Screen is like really dewy. And actually, yeah, that's maybe a good option for people who hate like 
thick sunscreen because it's a, like a serum mm. texture. Really milky, that's nice. Um, and their Supreme screen is good too. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's my favourite. Less dewy. And that looks kind of like it's got like a tinted kind of filter. Yeah, it's almost aspect. like um, beige yeah. coloured, which again, like nice, especially if you're not going to put anything over the top. Mm. Um, this is so hard. Now I'm just thinking of all the sunscreens that I personally use. Yeah, do it. That's, That's what we want. Um, yeah. La Roche-Posay, obviously like a classic. Anthelios, like everyone loves it. I can see how for some people like slightly like oily. oily. Oh, yeah. If you had oily skin, yeah. like you might not love that. Um, I love We Have Feel Good, the sensitive one. The dermalogical one I said before, that's a bit more expensive, but I use it instead of a moisturiser, so I, like, justify the cost. Yeah. And it does more than just be a sunscreen, so we love that. Um, what else is there? I mean, Neutrogena, I always say, is, like, such a good supermarket mm-hmm. brand. Um, you know, we don't all have, like, 50 to $100 to spend on yeah. sunscreen for our face, so... They have one, um, I think it's the Hydro Boost one. It's got hyaluronic acid in it. It's a bit like scented, which is not my favourite, but you don't smell it Mm -hmm. after a while. And also some people like scented. Mm -hmm. This is a thing like so hard to say Mm -hmm. just blanket statement, like these are the good ones because some people love scented. Some people don't want any fragrance. Mm Um, what else? They also have an ultra sheer range, which is good. And from memory, that's not very centered. Um, okay. This one is kind of like, we've probably already talked about it, but what sunscreen formula or ingredients won't clog my pores? Um, this is like, there are just no easy answers (laughs) to any of these questions. I'm so sorry, but, um, It kind of depends on you and your skin, but I would say like as a blanket statement, the ones that probably clog more are physical filters. Yeah. So that's like zinc oxide and titanium. Wait. Yeah, titanium dioxide. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just like had a brain. Yeah, titanium oxide. A brain snap. Yeah. Um, Yes, those. Hugo's just piping in again. Um, Those are the ones that, like in my personal experience and what other people say to me, their feedback, those seem to be the ones that people have more problems with. I think it's because they, it's same with like invisible zinc, like it's just the texture and it's more sticky. So if you do have that kind of skin that does absorb and hold on to product. Yeah. Like for me, that's how I feel when I wear it. It just does feel a bit yeah. heavier and it feels like it clogs. But that's not across the board. That's just yeah. certain formulations and certain brands. So I guess it's just hard to pinpoint. It really is. It really just depends on like is the formula oil-based mm. Because and do you have an issue with that? Like yeah. if you have dry skin or more mature skin, maybe you don't. Like how do you cleanse? Because if I was going to use a physical and when I do use them, I always do an oil cleanse before I do like a normal, Mm -hmm. you know, gel cleanse or whatever to really make sure that the oil like dissolves as Mm -hmm. much as possible and takes it off. 
Um, that's my experience, but yeah, it's, I know that's such an annoying answer because it doesn't really answer the question, but, um, it's just a matter of experimenting and finding what works for you. But I would say if you're having problems with that, I'd probably look at chemical formulas over physical, although like I say this, but then one of my friends has really reactive skin and the sunscreen that she uses, I think it's Paula's choice. I think it is either physical or has some physical filters. So it's like a combination and that's what works for her. Mm. Interesting. Okay. So <laughs> you never know. You just go oh, try. No. Yes. You do try everything. I, like probably just don't use a body formula. Yeah. On okay. your face Seriously. as like a first port of call. <laughs> Still just trying to remember. I mean, O Cosmetics have a good one. Yeah. Um, we like talked about Invisible Zinc. Ella yeah. Bache. Yeah, actually. Ella Bache is really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Ultraviolet, which I said before. Yeah. Love the Mecca one. Those are like my standbys always. The Domologica one I have recommended to so many people and no, not one person has ever not liked it. Okay. But okay. It's, Adding. It mm. is, it's like $110 or something. Mm. I mean, whatever. I think it's worth it. I'd rather, I would rather pay $100 for sunscreen than foundation, but that's me. Yeah, mm. I agree. Um, I feel like it does more for me in the long run. Mm. Yeah. Um, but what else do I recommend? Um, I'm just trying to think. I just tried one actually from Sunbum. Oh, yeah. It's a, a new face one that they have and I think it's really good. Okay. That's good. I was actually like pleasantly surprised because mm. um, I've used their body stuff yeah. before. I don't know what I was expecting. I'm not meaning to like neg the brand or anything. No, but yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah. when a brand is mainly like body mm. you're like fuck you're gonna and like really face. Yeah, maybe that's what it was about, i like but it's quite nice gray oh yeah, gel yeah body one that's really nice for when you if you don't like creams yeah or ultraviolet have a body one now yes Mecca's, oh my god that's good Mecca's body one's good yes. do these come the ultraviolet in? one is like on its own level yeah it's really nice do they come in um like enough for body like body appropriate sizes yes. which ones I, the ultraviolet or the yeah what it's was the other one big blue tube. so like a big and the mecca ones in a big black tube oh that's good. i told ava the only thing that's wrong with that body sunscreen is i need it to be like a liter yeah, yeah. Pump. Oh, but i it, want a big pump it is yeah, really good pump. in that tube and because it's got the little yeah, um, squeezy yeah. thing not a pump yeah when it comes to application mm-hmm. People obviously always under apply. So how, so what's the, what's your advice? Okay. So, um, people have different, like, it depends on the body that you listen to, like the Cancer Council, the Melanoma Institute, they have slightly different recommendations, but based on basically the way that they test sunscreen to, um, give it an SPF like value, um, you should be applying about a half a teaspoon just to your face. So we say a full teaspoon is for face, neck and ears and like all the way around your neck. When you do it like that, it's actually not as much as it sounds. Like half a teaspoon for your face. I mean, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but that's 
already pretty much. I don't have to try it that hard to make oh, sure yeah. that I'm putting on that much. Yeah. Um, I guess if you can't really visualize it, like get a teaspoon out and just do it. Like a few times, yeah. Because then you'll know, oh, it's like five pumps or yeah. three pumps or whatever it is. Um, so that's how much, you know, for that's, yeah, how much you're supposed to apply. And then for your body, they say one teaspoon per limb plus one for front body and one for back body, which sounds so weird. But it's like a full shot glass for your whole top to toe. That's not a lot. That doesn't sound like a lot at all. I feel like I would apply more. And that's like going to the beach. Obviously, if you're going to work, you're going to put sunscreen on your face and like maybe your forearms or your shins or whatever's like out. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that obviously depends on the formula as well because some spreadability is easy so you don't need to you feel like you don't need to apply as much but I always find like maybe because I'm also so shit with applying stuff because I'm obviously not trying to save money on product and I'm just like (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's beauty editor life so bad Uh, it's like when I had to start buying my own hair products I was like oh I should maybe not use a small handful yeah. to wash my like <laughs> two like, inches oh, exactly. too much throw it on the dryer. Like, terrible exactly terrible it's beauty editor brats <laughs> um oh, but yes just yeah aim for that one teaspoon mm. but like one teaspoon for your whole leg and also let me just qualify this by saying this is average like if you're seven foot tall you're probably going to need more than yeah. that to cover your limbs I think just over apply like over apply if in doubt just put on more yeah and how often are you applying every day so say you're in the office at work you put you know put it on before you put your makeup on or whatever then you went to work are you applying just before you leave the office so they say you should reapply after two hours or after like sweating or swimming um but yeah, if I'm if this is my day, I'm just going to sit in an office. I will put on obviously sunscreen, like a full amount of sunscreen before I go to work. And then if I'm popping out to get coffee or lunch, like, you know, by all means, reapply like I probably don't even though it's beyond 2 hours. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. Um if I had like a spray, you know, mm-hmm. you can get those sprays and stuff like I might do that or a powder Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be more inclined to just reapply before I go home. Yeah. Like imperfect and probably not to recommendations, but I think it depends on your office too, right? Like if you work in a law firm or something, are you going to sit at your desk? Like I know people who aren't allowed to have a photo of their family on their desk. Mm. So if you are in a really corporate environment, I mean, I guess you could go into the bathroom. I just think like – they're just be common sense, yeah. like be sensible. You don't have to like beat yourself up if you're not yeah. reapplying. Mm-hmm. I also probably, yeah, there are going to be people out there who are like, if I did it, if I reapplied sunscreen every two hours, I'd have to buy the sunscreen like every two weeks. Yeah. It's kind of like if you're leaving at nighttime, fine. But if you're leaving exactly. and you're like me and I've got a 45-minute train ride where I sit next to a window so. and the sun's there, I should be applying before I leave the office. That's what I mean. Just like use your common sense. Yeah. If I'm going to the beach or if I'm out in the sun, not in an office, every two hours, mate, like Could on you have to. Mm. You must. 
This is another confusing thing that people often ask about. Um, in terms of application, you do your sunscreen as your last step of skincare. So you do whatever you're doing, serums, la la la, creams, whatever you're doing. And then the sunscreen goes on as the last layer. And the reason for that is that for it to work properly, sunscreen basically has to form like a film. So that's why, you know, there's that advice to put on sunscreen 20 minutes before you go in the sun. That's about the film. Um, like just getting it gets settled so that it, you basically have the coverage that you require and then you wait until it's touched dry and then put on makeup if you're going to put on makeup. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it's chemical, physical, whatever, but it all happens the same way. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. What about <laughs> – what about the importance of other sun protection, shade, etc.? How important are they? I'm so glad that you brought this up because um, we talk about sunscreen so much and obviously it's super important, but sunscreen is like should realistically be like the last line of defense. Okay. So um, all the other things like wearing a hat, wearing sunglasses, like being in the shade and all of that is super important and that is going to do much more for you than the sunscreen can. Like the sunscreen, obviously, yes, super important. You need to have it. That's not what I'm saying. But sunscreen, people don't think about this. It's not a 100% block, mm. which is why I find it so confusing that people – say you know that they worry about they're not getting vitamin d like uv is still going into your skin mm. if you're in the sun and you have full sunscreen on it's still going it, you're still receiving uv mm. so it obviously does its best to minimize the damage but you're still getting the sun um so yeah the other things are super important like you definitely wear a hat and wear some sunglasses please like we haven't really talked about this either but you can get melanoma in your eye um and you can also get freckles and stuff in your eyes I heard something the other day that yeah like it can like the uv penetrating your eyes and your and your eyes like filtering that light can give you skin cancer or melanoma Oh, I've never heard of Something like on wrong. your skin. Do you mean? No, like I don't know. Maybe it's melanoma. Well, you can get melanoma in your eye. Like that's definitely a thing. It's rare, but um, you know, I I don't really think about this stuff. Someone brought it up to me, and sort of I haven't hadn't thought about talking about it that much because I get my eyes checked every year anyway because I wear glasses mm -hmm. and I my dad has macular degeneration, so I always get them to check my full eye and that's the test that they do where they can see the back of your eye they can see if there's spots or things in there but um I had my eyes tested once for like a sunglass hut event or something and the optometrist said to me you're the only person that we've seen today that doesn't have freckles in their eyes oh my god and I was like wow that's that obviously very common I'm like wear my sunglasses all the time wow. but I have a very um, I'm very aware of my eye health because my dad has macular right. degeneration, which is unrelated to yeah. melanoma. But, um, yeah, wear, please, for God's sake, wear sunglasses. Where are they? 
It's important. <laughs> it's really important um, because even if you're wearing a hat and you're wearing sunscreen, whatever, the light reflects, like light reflects off the sidewalk, off the yeah, water yeah. and it's it going is, into it your eyes. Like, glare is something obviously that every, it's a very annoying thing, but no one would think that, like I wouldn't think that that is impacting my eye. Mm. It's just making it hard to see, but yeah. You didn't know. Especially if you're on the water or yeah. like in the snow, you've yeah. got to, and you have to check the UV rating of the sunglasses because depends on where you buy them, but there are sunglasses that are just classed as an accessory. Yeah. So you think, and they might cut the glare, but they're not actually helping. like helping. Yeah. Cool. Well, so much to know. I know. Are you like overloaded with things to do now? It's good, yeah. Get a skin yeah. check. Check my yeah. sunglasses. Yeah. Guys, Demologica. <laughs> but well, all for the better. And I think, and like knowledge is power. So, yes. And, and you do what you can. Like, no yeah. one, I don't think there's any point in striving. I mean, I maybe strive for perfection, but. Yeah, there's no point of beating yourself up over like anything you do is better than nothing. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And yeah, if I was going to say something, even if you choose to not do anything else, just get a skin check yeah. and don't go to a bloody solarium. Don't stop. No, I mean, don't. <laughs> don't, stop. comma. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Please. The importance of grammar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lisa. Thank you.